4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And everybody say amen. That is the word of God. And the word of God's right. I want to, I want to try to preach here a little while this afternoon. I, I hope you all will stay with me a little bit. I don't want to get in any hurry, yet at the same time, I, I don't want to belabor the point either. I want to talk to you a little while here today from the subject, the challenge of staying hidden. Verse number three of Colossians chapter three, and Paul said, for you're dead and your life is hid. Everybody say that with me. Your life is hid. I believe that the word of God teaches us that there's, there's a part of us that needs to be hidden. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Would you pray with me right now? Let's ask God to talk to us here. God, in your precious name, Father, we lean upon you today. We trust you now in the name of Jesus. Talk to us this afternoon. I worship you today, Father. Give you honor and glory. We know, God, that we're nothing without you and that without you we can do nothing. We pray for the perfect will of God to be done here in this service. In the name of the Lord Jesus, give us hearts to hear, to perceive the word of God. We'll carefully give you praise for it in the lovely name of Jesus. I wonder if everybody would lift your hands with me now. Let's love him together for just a moment here. God, I worship you. I praise you today. Thank you, God. You're the great I am. You're the king of glory. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord. God bless you and you can be seated. God does not leave us with any doubt at all about how he feels about certain attitudes. There are some attitudes that are very pleasing to God and that God honors. There are other attitudes that God not only is displeased by, but the Bible tells us that they are even detestable unto God. 
one of the things, and I believe that it is an attitude, and I, I personally feel like that, that God feels stronger about attitudes than he does most any other thing. We think of the, uh, we think of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a sermon about attitudes. God talks to us about attitudes in the Word more than he does even about actions. I believe he's more concerned about attitudes than he is actions. And one of the things that God hates, the Bible says, is pride. Pride is to have a high opinion of one's importance or superiority. Pride means to have an arrogant behavior or to be egotistical. It's to be haughty or vain or arrogant or conceited. Appearing above others to make oneself conspicuous. It is to be disdainfully proud or to showing oneself above others. We know that the opposite of pride is humility. And to be humble is to be or to have a lack of pride or arrogance, to be modest, to be unpretentious, to be meek and submissive, to be abased or to be brought low. We know that humility is that fleeting something that when you think that you have attained it, you just lost it. When you think that you have arrived there, then you still have a long way to go. One songwriter penned the words and he said, I've got a long way to go just to be like my Lord. And every one of us are on that journey today because none of us have attained. None of us have arrived. None of us are everything that we ought to be in God. None of us have reached the state of absolute perfection in Jesus Christ. But this one thing that we do, forgetting those things which are behind, we're still pressing towards that mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. I want my attitude to be like him. I want my spirit to be like him. Create in me, O oh God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thine Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want you to listen carefully with me for a few moments this afternoon as I read to you from the Word of God what God has to say about pride. In Proverbs, the, the writer said, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Again, the Word of the Lord says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. Again in Proverbs, 
These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Pride is mentioned in this category of things that God hates. Again, in Proverbs, the scripture says, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Again, in Proverbs, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist David penned the words and said, him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. In the book of Obadiah, the prophet said, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter number seven, we find where that Jesus himself said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. It's amazing to me that in the midst of speaking of such evil things as adultery and fornication, murder and theft and lasciviousness and blasphemy that in this list also is mentioned this thing called pride. God hates pride. I understand this afternoon that as much as I'm preaching to anybody in this building, I'm preaching to the man that's preaching today because there's not a one of us that's, that does not wrestle with the spirit and the attitude of pride and arrogancy. I will confess unto you today that often when I pray, I have to say, God, forgive me of the pride in my own spirit and the arrogancy in my own heart. I know that I wrestle with it. I do. I confess to you today. I wrestle with this thing called pride. I wrestle with an attitude of arrogancy and of superiority and a feeling like that I'm better than somebody else is. I don't think that anyone here today is... is uh, oblivious to that battle. I think that we all wrestle because we're all in this flesh and, and, and flesh wants to promote itself and flesh wants to come to the forefront and flesh wants to be recognized. 
Flesh wants to be up front. Flesh wants to be out front, if you please. But I think that we can find that the word of God teaches us that we need to crucify this flesh and bring this flesh under subjection and mortify the deeds of this body. When the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about the prevalent attitude of the end time, he said, know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truth breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I know that we relegate that so often to those that do not know the truth but I am convinced that as much as this was written to those that do not know the truth, it is written to those of us that have the truth, but can allow one of these spirits and one of these attitudes to get into our own hearts and thus cause us to only have a form of godliness, but to deny the power thereof. May I say today, that the power of God is not going to be manifest through human nature. The power of God is not going to come and express itself so that flesh can receive any glory. But my Bible still, still declares that no flesh shall glory in his presence. And the Word of God even tells us why that God has chosen foolish things and why that God has chosen the low things and elements of this world to express and to manifest His glory in it. And He said, so that no flesh would glory in his presence. He said, take a look around you. You're not gonna see many wise people among you, not as far as this world is concerned. He said, you're not gonna see many high and mighty people around you, not as far as the opinion of the world is concerned, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and so God wants us to get flesh out of the way so that the glory and the honor can be given to him and to him alone. There are many examples given to us in Scripture of those who allowed pride to get in their hearts. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, 
The Bible tells us that Samuel came to Saul and said, Saul, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. As long as Saul was little in his own eyes, God could exalt him. God could lift him up. But when Saul lost that attitude of humility before God. You see, evidently, Saul became exalted in his own sight. Saul began to feel like that he was really somebody. Saul began to feel like that he really was superior over everybody else. And when he began to feel that way, he was well on his way to his downfall. The Bible tells us about Naaman. He was a proud man and his pride almost kept him from receiving the miracle that God had for him. But thank God he was able to humble himself Receive that miracle of healing. Bible tells us about Uzziah, the king in Israel that was used of the Lord. But the Bible says that when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. And so he allowed pride to get into his heart. In the book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, the Lord said to the children of Israel, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that no man doth live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. God said to Israel, there was a reason for you being in the wilderness. There was a purpose for your desert experience and the purpose for your wilderness journeys was so that I could prove you and know what was in your heart and that you might be humbled before me. Psalms chapter 138 and verse number six. David said, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar. The book of James 
the apostle said, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The apostle Peter said, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But pride doesn't want to stay hidden. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, but pride doesn't want to stay hidden. Pride wants to be recognized. Pride wants to be acknowledged. And may I tell you this afternoon that there is a stark contrast between our ideas and Jesus' example of ministry. Jesus' ministry was not an overt ministry. He was not always going around advertising his ministry. He was not going around promoting himself. But you will find that the ministry of Jesus Christ was a covert ministry. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. Sort of strange to our way of thinking. But when Jesus performed the miracle, he said, don't tell anybody. That's sort of strange to our way of thinking. But over and over again, I, I found it in the Word of God. Uh, and and, and, and instead, of, instead of, uh, promoting himself, the Bible lets us know that Jesus even hid himself. In John chapter 12 and verse number 36, then Jesus spake these things and departed and did hide himself from them. He hid himself. He wasn't looking for notoriety. He wasn't looking for recognition. As a matter of fact, you'll find that when he cleansed the leper, touched him and said, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed and Jesus said to him, see thou, tell no man. In Matthew 16, he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. In Matthew chapter 17, he came down off of the mountain of transfiguration and he charged the disciples saying, tell the vision to no man. He healed the deaf and the dumb man in Mark chapter number seven and he charged them that they should tell no man. In Mark chapter eight, he took a blind man by the hand, restored his sight to him so that he saw clearly and he sent him away to his house saying, don't go into any town nor tell it in any town. Don't tell it. Man, that's strange to our way of thinking because if it happens, we wanna, we wanna make sure that somebody knows about it. And you know, as long as, as uh, it's for the purpose of, of giving God the glory and, 
and, and making sure that there's no flesh involved here. Making sure that it doesn't matter who it was that laid hands on them and it doesn't matter who it was that prayed the prayer of faith because none of us can heal anybody. It's God that does the healing and it's God that gives the miracle. And it's God that sends the revival. And you will find that only after Jesus overcame the temptation of Satan in the wilderness to display flesh that he was ready for public ministry. Only after that he was tempted of the devil to display his own abilities to display the power that would bring notoriety to the flesh. Only after then, only after that temptation, only after that trial in the wilderness was Jesus ready for public ministry. The principles that Jesus taught us in his own personal teachings while that he was here leave us very strongly with the impression that the way he lived is the way that he expects us to live. Hallelujah. Ah. I'll just be honest with you today. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like that you need what I'm preaching. I'll just be honest with you. I need it myself. I'm going to take the time and the effort to preach this message if it's just for my own benefit today. I'm not here to point fingers at anybody, but I'm here to preach what I feel in the Holy Ghost that God has laid upon my heart and maybe just gave me this message for me so let me preach it to myself today but the principles that he taught us in the word of God leave us with the impression that he doesn't want us exalting ourselves promoting ourselves he said when you give he said take heed that you give your alms not before men to be seen of them. But he said, give it in secret. Don't let anybody else know what you're giving. He said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray in secret. And your Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. He said, when you fast, don't appear unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. You see, Jesus denounced the works of the Pharisees because all that they were interested in was to be seen of men. It's in your Bible in Matthew the 23rd chapter. Jesus said, but all their works they do far to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, Rabbi, oh, Jesus denounced them for their desire for notoriety and of their ambition.
ambition of self-promotion. He said, you need to get that out of you. You need to get rid of that spirit. You need to get rid of that attitude. That spirit and that attitude is born of pride. It is born of the arrogancy of the human man and of the human will. And Jesus said, he that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. I would much rather have the commendation of God upon my life than my own personal commendation. I'm not gonna, I hope that I can keep, if you please, and by the grace of God only, will we be able to keep ourselves from commending ourselves. And only by the grace of God will we be able to look unto him for the commendation that we really need, not the commendation that comes from me. May I tell you today, not even the commendation that comes from my own brothers, but what I need more than anything else is to find a hiding place and let him do the commending. The highways that announce deity don't come out of suburbia, but out of the wilderness, a highway in the desert. Where'd you come from, John? Oh, I come out of the wilderness. Oh, camel's hair, locust, and honey. Where'd you come from, John? I come out of the wilderness. Where? What are you here for? I'm here to declare that there's a deliverer on the way. I'm here to tell you that there's a revival coming. I'm not the one, but there's one coming after me. I must decrease, but he must increase. And if I can get out of the way and let him come, the revival's gonna happen. If I can get out of the way and let him be exalted, the revival is gonna happen. That this new brand of Christianity doesn't like the idea of a wilderness experience. But every time that deliverance comes to the people of God, it's brought out of obscurity. It comes out of a wilderness. It comes out of a hiding place. Every time revival comes in God's word, you're gonna find it comes from somebody that's been in hiding. It comes from somebody that's found a secret place with God. It comes out of a heart that's been somewhere in close intimacy with the savior of the world. Revival. 
devil is going to come out of a secret place. It's not coming from suburbia, but it's going to come out of the heart of a man that says, just let me find a hiding place with God. Let me get alone in the spirit. Let me find a closet of prayer. Let me find a place to hide. Just let me, oh yeah. It's not going to come from our programs, honey. It's not going to come from the promotions that we have. Thank God I'm not against programs. I'm not against promotions. I'm not against bus ministry. I'm not against Bible studies. I'm not against anything that we can do to reach the lost. But all of our programs will avail nothing. And all of our promotions will avail nothing if we don't learn how to hide. If we don't learn how to get alone with God and find a hiding place. The first phase of God's dealing with our lives is in the calling and the second is in the choosing and there's an enormous process in between that we often fail to understand. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's this process that makes us or breaks us. We either become bitter or better, stronger or angrier. He never promised roses without thorns. He didn't promise us power without pain. He never promised success without suffering. But every man in the word of God that you find that is used of the Lord, is a man that made it through the process, learned how to humble himself under the mighty hand of God. Oh, 17 year old boy, and he's going around telling everybody, I got a dream. You're gonna bow down and worship me. Oh yeah. And, and somebody says, you little egotistical brat, you keep your mouth shut. And can I tell you this afternoon that that wasn't just Joseph's brothers and dad talking. God didn't want Joseph promoting himself. Joseph, I gave you that dream, but I only I can bring it to fulfillment and to fruition as well. And it's not going to happen when you're 17 years old. It's not going to happen until you've learned to stay in the background. It's not going to happen until you've learned to stay wherever I put you until I'm ready to promote you. It's not going to happen until you learn how to stay hidden until I choose to bring you out. And so Joseph had plenty of opportunity to become bitter in the pit. And Joseph had plenty of opportunity to become bitter in Potiphar's house. And Joseph had plenty of opportunity to become bitter in the prison. And Joseph had plenty of opportunity to let pride enter in when he was in the palace. But through it all, he was willing to submit himself to the hand of God. He was willing to submit himself to God's time schedule and to God's timetable. I want to tell you today, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll tell you in a few minutes. Praise God. But God had a time for
for Joseph. And it was 37 years before God said, all right, Joseph, it's time to see the fruition of your dream. It's time to have a fulfillment of your vision because you have learned how to stay hidden. You've learned how to hide yourself. You've learned how to submit yourself to my plan, to my will, to my word, to my working in your life. Moses was hidden for 80 years. When he was 40, he thought he had all the answers. But when God got through with him, he was saying, God, I can't go. I can't do it. I don't even know how to talk. I don't know how, how Lord, I'm, I'm not capable. I'm, I don't have the ability, God, not me, Lord. He was saying, God, I'm just, I'll be content just to stay hidden, God. I'll be content now just to remain in this desert. I'll be content now, God, just to stay in this wilderness. If you'll just let me stay hidden. But God said, no, Moses, I'm bringing you out now. Moses, it's my time now. You tried to do it 40 years ago and you couldn't get the job done. But if I bring you out, the job's going to get done. My people's going to get delivered. Revival's going to happen. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell this church something this afternoon. There is a revival. There is a Holy Ghost outpouring. Hallelujah. But it's not going to come through the promotion of flesh. It's going to come through the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. David running like a rabbit in a briar patch. Anointed. Yeah, he was already anointed. Ready for the throne? No way. Anointed? Yes. Ready to come out of hiding? No. In caves, in the wilderness, running, hiding. And David got a little frustrated like we do. David got a little impatient like we do. And he asked God, he said, Lord, how long? How long will you forget me? Oh, Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long is this, go, this wilderness? How long do I stay in this hiding place, God? How long do I run like this from my enemies? How long, God, am I gonna have to hide in this cave? How long, God? And he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm troubled, my eye is consumed with grief. My soul and my belly for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. I'm forgotten as a dead man out of mine. I'm like a broken vessel where I've heard the slander of many and fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me and they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God and my 
times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. When are we gonna learn that our times are not in our hands, but my times are in his hand. If you'll only leave your time in the hand of God. Elder Martin preached a message years ago that's, that's uh, run its course over the country. Let it unfold. You can't do it yourself. You gotta let God work your ministry out. You gotta let God unfold the ministry that he has for you. And if you try to do it in your time and in your way, you're gonna make a big mess out of it. You're gonna fumble and fumble around and never reach the potential that God has for you. But if you'll learn just to stay in that hiding place, if you'll learn Oh, I know, Brother Kelly, I'm not preaching a popular message here this afternoon either because we want to promote them. And how many ministries have we ruined by promoting them before their time? How many young men have been ruined because they were pushed out before they needed, they weren't ready, they weren't ready. They needed to just stay in hiding for a little bit longer because God was developing something in them that they could have been a powerhouse in the kingdom of God. But because they were pushed out before that time, uh, uh, Lord willing, I'll come back to it in just a little bit. But David said, I had painted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I stay on the Lord. I can, I can sense the hunger and the desire in the heart of David when he said, oh God, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, David was saying, God, I've heard about what you did in days gone by. I sat on daddy's knee and listened to the stories of deliverance and of power of what you did in their lives. And God, I want to see it for myself. I want to experience it for myself. God, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me tell you, young man, if you don't have a desire to do something for God, something's wrong with you. You don't have the call of God upon your life unless you've got an ambition, a spiritual ambition to do something for God, to work in the kingdom, to be effective, to make a difference. But that desire and ambition has got to be harnessed by the hand of God and of a godly man in your life. You better listen to that pastor. I said, you better listen to that pastor. Oh, he's just trying to hold me back. <laughs> he's just trying to keep me from being everything that I could be. No, that pastor has got a little more, a few more miles on him than what you have. And he's been down the road before you. And he's trying to help you. He's, he, he knows what lies ahead of you.
because he's already traveled that road before and you need to learn to wait on the Lord and the answer that came to David when he cried and said I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and the return the, the echo that comes back is wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart wait I say on the Lord for he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as an eagle they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint Teach me to wait on you, God. Teach me just to stay in that secret place. Teach me, God, just to be patient. Oh, patience isn't one of our virtues. But in your patience, possess ye your souls. If you don't learn how to be patient and wait on God, you're liable to lose your soul. As a matter of fact, you'll find the Apostle Paul in teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. He said, whatever gift God gives you, you wait on it. Don't try to operate it in yourself. You wait on God. Whatever gift God gives you, you wait on God. You say, well, I've got the gift. I'm just going to use it whenever I want to. No, God chooses when that gift's going to be used, not you. God is the one that hands those gifts out. We don't hand them out. And he gives them severally. The Bible says, as he wills as he chooses wait on the Lord wait on the Lord wait on the Lord wait on the Lord one thing about his heart of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me up upon a rock he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty oh, it's not a bad place friend that hiding place isn't a bad place it's a place where God is with us it's a place where God empowers us. It's a place where God prepares us. The book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 22. We find a very intriguing story. The king dies, and his mother, who has been his counselor, to do that which is evil in the sight of God, chooses that she herself is going to sit on the throne and in order to bring about her devious devilish plan the Bible says that she slays all of the seed royal but in the midst of that story it tells us about Jehoshabeth 
the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, the sister of Ahazi, and the bride Jehoshabeth took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and hid him from Athaliah so that she slew him not. And he was with them hid in the house of God six Now, Athaliah was the daughter of Jezebel. And they were of the same spirit. And it was an anointing killing spirit, a prophet killing spirit. The spirit of Jezebel is the spirit of a whore. It's the spirit that wants to shut the mouth of the man of God. It's the spirit that says, let's kill John the Baptist because he is prophesying against what I'm doing. The spirit that says, we're not going to listen to the Micaiah that prophesies defeat instead of victory because of our sins. It's the spirit that says, let's silence the Elijah that troubles Israel. And let's just all go to bed together. Let's just join hands with the Trinitarians. With everybody, doesn't matter what they believe, doesn't matter how they live, how they live. I want to tell you this afternoon that Jezebel lived not only in the Old Testament, but Jezebel lives in the New Testament church. You find her in the church at Thyatira. And I know, and you know, that we're not talking about the literal Jezebel woman that was the wife of Ahab. Because she died and the dogs licked her blood and ate her bones. But it's talking about a spirit and the spirit is referred to in the feminine because it's a spirit that reproduces. It's a spirit that's contagious. It's a spirit that's loose in the kingdom. It's an intimidating, loud, busty, brash, flaunting, and overt spirit. It's the spirit of Hollywood. It's the spirit of gaudiness and glamour. 
It's the spirit of self-promotion. It's the spirit of the exhibition of flesh. And may I tell you that there is a harlot church. Yes, there is, my friend. There is a harlot church. And there's two things that a harlot is interested in. A harlot wants to make you feel good and take your money. That's the two things that a harlot's interested in. Just making you feel good and taking your money. And there is a harlot church. I want to tell you that the church of Jesus Christ was never promised to be a place of comfort and a place of ease. Jesus said the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. He said, if you're not willing to love me more than you love houses and lands and mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters and anybody else, you cannot be my disciple. Living in the church is living a crucified life. You say, well, all that means that that must be a terrible life to live. Oh, no. You see, when you crucify this flesh, then you can really start living. People that have never crucified the flesh doesn't know what living really is all about. Because the life that we now live, it's not our life, but it's his life. We live the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God, the apostle said. And he said, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And when Christ comes to live in us, he brings peace. He brings joy and he brings righteousness. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, there's some folks that can't tell the difference between the harlot church and the real church. Oh, yeah. I said there's some folks can't tell the difference. That, that, that harlot, Jezebel, was in the midst of the people of the living God. She wasn't in a Trinitarian church. She was in the oneness church. She was in the Jesus' name church. Oh, God. Help us to be able to recognize the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of the Holy Church that will even encroach into the kingdom of the living God that wants to come parading right in amongst us, parading flesh. I said parading flesh. That's what Jezebel wants to do. Expose flesh. Expose flesh. Expose flesh. And there's a whole lot more to the exhibition of flesh than just standards. There's a whole lot more to the exhibition of flesh than just having your sleeves the right length and you dress him the right length. Come on now. And your necks the right 
height. There's a whole lot more to the exhibition of flesh than that. You can have all of that and still have a tremendous, terrible, filthy exhibition of flesh. God help us to get all flesh out of the way, to get all flesh in the background, to keep it hid. God help me to keep my flesh in the closet, to keep my flesh in the closet. Hallelujah. I am convinced that if we can ever get our flesh in the closet, God can really do something among us. I'm telling you, I believe that if we can ever get, learn to keep our flesh in the closet, God can give us the revival that he wants to give us. He can give us the miracles that he wants to give us. He can give us the churches that he wants to give us. I don't believe I'm pastoring the church God wants to give me. You understand what I'm saying? I thank God for the church I'm pastoring, but I don't have the church God wants to give me. I hadn't learned to keep my flesh in the background enough. I haven't learned to keep my flesh hit enough. If I can learn to keep that flesh in the closet, God can give me the church that he wants to give me. It's his church, the church that he purchased with his own blood. And there's a whole lot more souls in this city that are hungry for God and that need deliverance than what sits on the pews of Calvary Apostolic Church today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God teach me, Lord. Oh, but Brother Dudley, you've been preaching for 30 years. Oh, but I want to tell you, I'm still learning to keep this old flesh in the background. I'm still learning to keep this flesh in the closet. Because when I wake up every morning, the flesh wants to come out with me. The flesh wants to expose itself. The flesh wants to present itself, to promote itself. And I've got to find a place to pray and say, God, help me to die today. Help me to die today. Say, oh, you ought not have to do that. The apostle Paul had to do it. He said, I die daily, Brother Chance. I've got to find a closet every day of my life and go crawling back in there and say, flesh, you got to die. you got to die. Stay in there, Joash. I know it's I know it's hard to stay in, but you're not strong enough for Athaliah yet. And if you'll stay in there for your full term, six years, the number of man, the completion of his term, in your seventh year, when God brings you out, no Athaliah will be able to stand before. Understand, Joash, you're not in a place of hibernation, nor just isolation, but you are in a place of spiritual gestation. And God is working in your life. And if you're ripped untimely from the womb, there's not much hope of your survival. Oh, can I say this afternoon that that's why we have such an anemic ministry. Men being promoted, evangelists passing out cards, calling pastors saying, can I come and preach for you? Don't call me and ask if you can come and preach for me. If God doesn't open a door for your ministry, stay in the closet.
That's not popular, but that's, that's the truth anyway. If God doesn't make a way for you, if God doesn't, don't, I want to, these young men that are preaching in the church that I pastor, no, I'm not promoting them. I am not going to promote them. If God doesn't open the door for them, they need to stay in the closet a little longer. I said, if God doesn't open the door for them, they just need to stay in the closet a little bit longer. They hadn't been, a, they hadn't been a, alone enough in God with God and, and praying and fasting and seeking God. I want to tell you, if God put a call on your life to preach this gospel, if you'll stay in the closet, if you'll hide yourself away with God, when God gets ready, he's going to bring you out or else you just had a, you just had a, a bean dream and you were mistaken because you don't have a call of God to preach this gospel if God doesn't open the door for you and make a way for you to preach it. When you come out of the closet too quickly, come out of the bedroom too quickly, the harlot will make a prostitute out of you and you'll sell your ministry to the highest bidder. If you'll just preach what we want you to preach, we'll let you preach in our camp, our meeting, our conference. If you'll just stay off of certain issues, you can really preach in a lot of places. And what they're actually saying is if you'll just not preach against sin, And if you'll just not take a stand against worldliness, don't let, the, don't let yourself believe the lie that the devil is telling you. If you'll sell out to God and be God's man. I said sell out to God and be God's man. God will have you preaching everywhere you need to preach. That's right. Now the devil wants to kill you. You see Pharaoh, Athaliah, Jezebel, and Herod all know I'm going to keep the people deceived and in bondage. I've got to kill every possibility of a prophet or of a deliverer that is at this present time somewhere in hiding. So Pharaoh says, kill all the baby boys because there's a deliverer somewhere among them. And Herod says, kill all the baby boys because there's a Savior somewhere among them. They're hid right now. We've got to find them. The devil wants to kill you. And God wants you to die too. And the question is, can you die right? Our 
dilemma is that you know if I'm going to die, man, I want an audience. I don't want to die somewhere by myself. I don't want to die hidden somewhere. But you know, the Bible says concerning Jesus in Mark chapter 7 and verse number 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it. Now listen. But he could not be here. He tried to hide, but it finally reached the place that it, would, it didn't matter where he went. He just couldn't hide. Because he had stayed hidden long enough that God was manifest in him. Well, wasn't God manifesting him from the time of his birth? Yes. But yet Jesus himself did not begin his earthly ministry until he was 30 years old. And all of those years he stayed hidden. Hidden in a carpenter's shop. Until finally he said the works that I do. I do not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth. If all they want to talk about when they leave our churches is our talent and our program, we'll really miss the mark. They ought to be saying, I've never felt God like that. I've been to a lot of churches, but I've never been to one where I felt the presence of God and saw the glory of the Lord, experienced the touch of His hand like I felt in that place. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. This is the charge, Brother Jens. Preach the word. And Paul is telling us, the anointed apostle of God, the apostle to the Gentiles, he said, preach the word. Don't preach man's fables. Don't preach riddles and rhymes. Don't preach that which would simply and only be well-pleasing to men. But preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having its in ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. So to this precious couple that's standing before me today, I would simply give you the charge and the admonition of the beloved Apostle Paul. Preach the word. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to this book. Stay faithful to the God that called you. Love people. Love those you preach to. Praise God. Praise God. For what good would it do for a man to stand in the pulpit and preach this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ if he did not love those that he preached to. Desire to see them saved. Desire to be a blessing to them. Desire to lead the lost to God. Desire to lead the sinner to repentance and to water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Desire to see the backslider renewed and restored. Desire to strengthen God's people. And as you begin to allow God's spirit to move in you and fulfill God's will in your life and ministry, you will do a work for his cause and his name. And then God will receive the glory and God will receive the honor. May God bless you. May God keep you in his love and will. May God honor your ministry. And God make, may God give you a blessed ministry, a fruitful ministry, and many souls for the kingdom of God's sake. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the strength of your word, the blessing of your word. We thank you for the call of God, the unique call of God upon a man's life to preach the truth and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray you bless this couple that stands before us here today. May the mighty hand of God be upon them to fulfill the ministry that you have given them. May the call of God be fulfilled in their life give them a blessed and fruitful ministry and many will come to know who you are and they'll come to know the mighty power of God through the preaching of this anointed preacher in Jesus name we pray Amen Brother Dodair Brother Kelly man on the district board if you join me Just gather around, pray with them, pray for them. Amen. With the, this congregation, please join us in prayer. As we pray for Brother and Sister Chance here today. Join us together in prayer.